Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Jason Melbourne gives insight into his farming career to date, practices he has implemented to make gains to KPIs that drive farm profit, and his outlook for dairy farming in the future. From um, Tremorne, County Watford, and ever. Since I was younger, I was always helping out my uncle in the farm, um, milking cows and feeding calves and just helping out every summer during holidays and all. And I thought I knew that I had an interest in farming then and I just wanted to persuade that and um, eventually get into cow ownership and um, farm my own right. So I knew that I'd have to go to ag college and study agriculture. Um, so I went to Gertine Ag College after school. I'd done two years there, um, done the level five in agriculture for the first year and then level, the second year was level six in dairy herd management. Um, had a really good time there, just I learned a lot there, um, a lot of practical learning experience there in Gertine and I went on for the first placement was with David Corwin. Um, west in outside Dungarvan and just um, had a real good went on really well with him um, yeah I started with him in 2015 so I learned a lot about cows and grass with him and the spring calving system and then for the second year the dairy herd management I done my placement with Brian Daniels in um, up in Pilltown Kilkenny so I I learned a lot about grass and management with Brian and just grazing in general. He was very good that way. Um, and then after the two years of that, I I went on to apply for the Moorpark course. So then, Jason, you know, you, you took the step to, I suppose, do some further education in dairy and you travelled to Moorpark for the level seven uh, course. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and the placements involved in, in that course? Yeah, so I went on to do the level seven course in Moorpark. Just I knew myself I need more um, experience on my belt and that was the next stepping stone for me. So I went on and um, done first placement with Shane Maxwell and West Warford. Um, there was a 600 cow farm there and Loved it there, learned a lot about grass and um, efficiencies and um, just working with big numbers. And then I had opportunity to do a farm placement. So I went over to Missouri in the US, um, working for Gary Nolan and um, Niall Murphy. So that was really big learning experience for me, just how to manage cows in them extreme heats and weather conditions. And that was for a six-month placement. And then I came back to Ireland um, in January of 2018. And I went on to the farm. I worked with Dennis Finnegan um, for my placement. I was here in um, Belmacmoy Farm in Kilvullen. And you mentioned Missouri. That, that's something that sticks out, I guess, on, on your profile in terms of experience that you've completed you know traditionally when people head abroad for placement um you know they're getting as far away from home as possible in that they travel to new zealand why missouri yeah so i 
had a friend of a friend that um, knew Gary and just it sounded interesting to me just the way that grass was uh, managed over there and there was something different you usually hear of all the indoor systems so just appealed to me that way and um, it was really good to see just something different like that with the how to manage grass in 40 degree heat and in during minus 20 degrees in the winter so it was a good learning experience that way and you mentioned you know you're you're now on, on the farm in Ballymacmoy you're still here since you started your placement in January of 2018 we're on farm today and uh, for anyone listening uh, ten- intently you can hear the hum of the compressor on the farm um, as we speak today but tell us a little bit about the farm and how it has developed in your time here yeah so since 2018 um there've been great improvements with efficiencies um we last year there was 17 ton grown um milk solids have gone from um 390 to hopefully um 470 sold for this year um fertility's really improved as well um we were 60% six week calving rate in 2018 just it was late winter let's say december that this farm was taken on previous and there wasn't much um early calving stock available so there was bought what was available at the time so went from a 60 percent six week calving rate in 2018 to 83 percent this year and that's just been massive um in milk solids as well the early calving and um helped with the whole system so let's dig down a little bit into that, Jason. Um, you know, you've mentioned a lot of metrics, but I guess there are a lot of the key drivers of profit when we look at the spring system. You know, you mentioned grass and you mentioned fertility. So if we focus first on the grass, you mentioned 17 tonnes grown in 2020. Probably um, an easier year to manage grass than the year we're, we're currently working in. But, uh, you know, as... Grown is one thing, utilised is another. So what are you doing? Uh, what is most important on this farm to maximise the amount of that grass grown is utilised in the form of grazing by the cow? Yeah, so we have an overall stocking rate of 2.7, um, including size ground. And the stocking rate in the milking platform is 3.2. So that matches our growth rate with um, a target feeding rate of um, 600 kilos a meal. So we are utilizing all the grass that way and we we've done a lot of receding since the start where as of the moment we have ninety percent of the farm receded since twenty eighteen and P's and K's have been maintained as well and pH so um that's helped a lot and grown to seventeen tons last year. And then looking to the specific seasons, um, you know, 600 kilos is a very small amount of meal. And while a lot of us would say a target on farm might be five or 600 kilos, in reality, when we look across the year, it's actually often close to 800 or, or even the ton. Um, you know, how do you manage the grass budget? Say, let's look at the season in its totality. So what do you do in the autumn in preparation for the springtime? Yeah, so our biggest target would be spring grass, which would dictate uh, breeding season and everything for the year that we would um, 
look into. So in the autumn, we would um, be looking at closing cover to have an open cover for February at the start of grazing. So we would um, close up at the target cover that we would have um, 1,200 of an average round cover on the 1st of February. And that's something we've done the last couple of years. And because of that, having that high average round cover um, at the start of calving that we've the last two years we haven't had to feed any silage to any cow once they calve so that makes a massive difference then for um for the cow just getting that high quality feed into them and that 1200 kilos of an opening cover on the 1st of february how does that translate then what do you close at in the autumn time and typically what date is it yeah so it's been different the last couple of years um we'd have closed up the 1st of November, the 2nd week of November, just it all depends on how we think growth rate is going to be and just we try and predict the growth that's going to be over the winter so that we ha- will have that 1200 alpha cover because we have uh, we have the results there of the previous growth rates through the winter that we can guess our open cover. And the 1200, not, not to, I suppose, go on about it, but that's a lot of grass. And, you know, there are some farmers that say I'm going to open at 900 or 1000 so that there's not too many heavy covers on the farm, that it'll all be used. Um, you know, I suppose you, you're at the balance that with that high cover, you're not feeding silage. I mean, talk through 2021, um, you know, there was a, a few wet days this spring that people haven't yet forgotten about. You know, how did you manage to get cows out in those yeah. conditions? So, um, on off grazing, most of February, March of every year, um, we have the infrastructure in place, we have the roadways, the water, um, use of spur roadways, um, multiple gaps off roadways, all those kind of things, and on off grazing the three hours we use that a lot um throughout the whole spring just until um ground conditions allow so by doing all that we get through it no problem whatsoever it's just um the cows just know that the three hours they go out to the graze and they come inside and um into the cubicle to extend the grazing season then, if, if we flip the coin and look at the autumn, you know, people do put in some silage and try and keep the cows out um, into November. Why are you prioritising spring over autumn for grazing? Yeah, so I was trying to maximise return on our spring grass. So we there is more of a return on um, that grass in the spring in the autumn so we prioritize it that way obviously we we try and keep out as long as we can in the autumn but if we think it's going to affect our opening cover we just pull the plug um early so just that we have that grass in the spring so then looking and, and changing the focus to breeding so you mentioned you know this was an, a new farm um for you and and dennis and the team in the spring of 2018 um you know you would have been one of the first employees to come onto the farm you know, cows, I suppose, were sourced from multiple herds, not necessarily, I suppose, your pick of cows, but more so what cows were available. Um, a 60% six-week calving rate back then. So in a few short years, you know, this year you had 83% six-week calving rate. Um, you moved from national average to top performance in a, a short period of time. How did you do that, Jason? Targeting uh, body condition score. Um, number one so starts back in the autumn we um 
Bonnegusen score um, Everton so that we know coming into the dry period um, when to dry off and if there are tin cows give them an extra a longer dry period so um, we go if the cow was tin we go from a standard 8 week dry period to 12 weeks and by doing that that has allowed us to put on condition for calving so the biggest thing for us is that the calf down the right condition um, and minerals and the good quality silage throughout the winter so and then come into calving um, let's say past breeding we would do a we do let's say 30 days out from the start of breeding we would do a, a another body condition score and we'd scan the herd whatever has calved so we'd be constantly checking if cows were dirty or non-cycling um, we'd and any cows that were tinned then we'd be put on to once a day straight away until after breeding so the once a day for those late calvers and thin calvers you know wh- why is that important yeah is just to have them on the right bonic distance score um, at breeding so that we have better conception rates so we'd we would do pre-breeding as well and uh, three weeks to the start of um, starting mate date and whatever hasn't shown heat then we'd scan them and if they needed to if they were non-cyclers or they were dirty we'd um, clean them out and um, PG or whatever is needed just to get them cycling and on the right body condition score um, and what we've done the last two years is we've created a, a separate um, once a day herd so any Cows have calved after the 1st of April or non-cyclers and we've actually run them with a team of bulls for um, the first round of breeding. And we found that that's brought them on into heat sooner and we've got them cows back in calf quicker as well. So you're essentially, uh, I guess, re- reducing that interval between calvings by uh, by management practices such as the once a day. And, and you mentioned the the bull power um, in around the cows and the, I suppose the enhancement that you've seen there um, in relation to cyclicity. If we look then to financials, Jason, is there a certain uh, KPI that you target in this farm? Um, is there something that you're chasing um, in terms of costs and profit? We tried to be as profitable as possible um, we have good control on all our costs now and um, the system is working now with with the stocking rate and the grass grown and um, our calving has come together so been able to get our farm working expenses including labour um, down to €2.80 per kg of milk solids so very happy with that that it's it is um, the system is working now and we're getting um good return on our money now and i suppose for for us that are hanging around in in old money terms have you an idea of what that would be in terms of cent per liter jason yeah i'd say be 20 26 27 cents you know you've highlighted the key practices um you know from a farm perspective that um you know have made this this farm work but if we come back and pull things back to i suppose your career um you know you've highlighted your experience and the number of farms that you've worked on um and you know in a very short space of time you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different people who are you know probably engaging in a similar enough system but there's 
I suppose, lots of different um, aspects that, you know, individual farmers are doing really right that, that you've, you've picked up on. But from your perspective, are there, there any um, things, maybe two or three things that, that you have done, um, you know, to put yourself in a position to maximize your learning experience and create opportunities um, for yourself going forward in your career? I'm from a farm background, but um, don't have a farm home. So to progress in the industry, I knew that I'd um, have to work with the best farmers and build a good reputation myself. And on top of that, have a good savings plan and good track record that once you do go to a bank, um, that they will accept a loan once they see that you have been saving, have a good track record and you have a good uh, business plan. So let's delve into that a little bit, Jason, the the savings. Um, for, for people listening today, um, you know, in, in a similar situation to you or maybe five years behind you, that savings plan, are you looking at apportioning a, a monthly direct debit out of your account or a standing order? Or is it just kind of as you have a surplus that you'd portion that off into a savings account? Yeah. So the easy thing I found was just to set up a savings account and just um, have a direct debit of that going in from your current account to that every month and... That way you'd be more disciplined to save. Working with the right people, um, there's, a, I suppose, a different definition for the right person or the right farm based on preference and, and I guess, ideals, farm size, where you want to go. Um, what were the criteria that you saw as important in terms of the right people that you worked with? I wanted um, someone that was um, given that opportunity that I was looking for was cow ownership and that they were doing it profitably and that there was um was the right opportunity for me to enter into. So I um yeah, got in contact with uh, Billy and Dennis uh, Green Solids and they ticked all the boxes that way and I was lucky enough that we worked well together and that um the opportunity arose. And you mentioned cow ownership, Jason, and often for people who are in the situation where they've no farm at home, cow ownership is something that is their idea of ownership within the dairy industry. Um, for you, um, you know, you're a little bit down the track in terms of four or five years um, out of your your studies. Is that something that you wanted on day one or do, is it a longer term project? Um, should people jump straight into cow ownership or should they con- are there factors to consider? Yeah, for myself, I was um, I was very keen in cow ownership. Um, uh, but everyone is different. I There's loads of friends of mine that are managing and farms are very happy. And um, I just I wanted to um, have cows on my own. So. I knew to do that, I'd have to um, work with the right people, um, have good, a good um, relationship with the bank, have a, a savings plan there and um, be able to show that I could um, work well in the business and the farm was profitable. In terms of, of the points that you've taken that um, have really worked for you is your good reputation. Is your reputation just I suppose your CV of who you've worked for or is there anything else that you see makes you stand out from the crowd reputation wise a good uh, reputation is massive in the industry um, that you work well with other people that 
you're able to manage cows, manage grass well. Um, that you're able to um, have a good positive mindset as well and just get on the industry and do what's needed. And Jason, as a young dairy farmer within the dairy sector, is this a positive industry um, to operate in now and into the future? And if we consider the future, where does that lie for you? Yeah, so it's it's a huge um, positive industry to be involved with. Ever since 2015 with the cows being moved, there's been loads of opportunities and new farms taken on and lots of young farmers that have gotten involved Um for myself um, it's been a huge stepping stone from um, just being a farm manager to being a cow ownership to the 20% uh, profit share um, just and it's a great lifestyle for everyone involved um, I'm currently at the end of a three year uh, contract so it was just a medium term thing for me to before let's say move closer to home um, Waterford, Wexford, the southeast region. So I'm currently on the lookout for any opportunities um, in that region. And I guess despite some of the limitations that exist in, in that part of the world at the moment, Jason, there, there is, I think, plenty of opportunities around every corner for young, ambitious farmers like yourself. Thank you very much, Jason. Thanks, Emily-Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Jason Melbourne for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.